Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sports United podcast. We are back and it's almost the end of the year, practically. Christmas is about a week away and all the other holidays have either come and gone like Hanukkah or are uh, on the horizon, which uh, means we got to dive into what has happened uh, throughout the year because uh, it's almost 2022. I know some of you still think it's uh, March 2020, but uh, it's it's not the case. And so today we're going to be diving into the year that has happened in soccer and welcoming back uh, our uh, good host and friend, Kazra. Welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, Justin. It's a pleasure, uh, although I am very disappointed in you as an Iranian because you did not mention the glorious winter solstice festival that my people celebrate. Your, your, your multicultural uh, 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 credentials have been revoked, sir. Uh, I, I do apologize. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No one knows about it. No, I, I, I almost forgot about it. My mom is like, hey, are you celebrating? I'm like, oh, shit, that thing that I used to do when I was 10? Yeah, I am. Um, cool. Uh, yeah. It's Thanks for having me. Thanks for to all our listeners, whatever holiday you follow, uh, whether it be real or fake, uh, happy holidays. <laughs> all you Festivus uh, followers out there, just... Saturnalia. Let's, let's be a, <laughs> an epic atheist and say very Saturnalia to you. <laughs> <laughs> all the Saturnalias that listen. Uh, so we are going to be diving into the year of uh, soccer as it was, uh, tried to get back on track after 2020. And we have four major uh, highlighted packages to get at you. We're going to talk about Olympic soccer because the Olympics happened this year. It seemed like ages ago. And we're on the horizon of another one. Hopefully, maybe, who knows. Uh, we have uh, Champions League, EPL, and everyone's favorite, world cup qualifying because next year not in the summer but in the winter at least in north america or the northern hemisphere it will be world cup season which will be very very weird but i guess a good thing to end the year on you need some twilight zone music (laughs) everything's backwards no one knows what's going on or what year it is uh so we're gonna stop first at uh the olympic games took place in Tokyo and uh, at least for uh, one country that one of us are in, it was very, very uh, joyous and kind of a culmination of many, many years of hard work and dedication. Um, But what, uh, what do you have to say about uh, the Canadian women's soccer program? Uh, Because I know, uh, women's soccer in general has risen uh, in the past decade around the world. It's not uh, not quite there yet because there are still lots of thumpings from teams like uh, Japan, USA, Canada. But uh, what are your take on uh, women's soccer and how it's kind of risen uh, above? So, I, to be honest, I think uh, last time we spoke to, I I I, I was. I was quite honest with you about the fact that I don't watch as much as uh, women's soccer as I should be, maybe. Uh, although I'm, I am expecting uh, 
daughter in a couple of weeks. So maybe that'll change once she's here and ho- hopefully she wants to play football. So, uh, you know, we get, you know, I get more into it. I have a reason to watch more. Um, I, I, I can only like talk about the UK and what I've seen here. The, the nice thing here is that even the smaller league two teams, for example, like my local team, Leighton Orient, which is the fourth tier of the UK. And previously they were not even considered professional team like up until two years ago because they were out of the top four tiers once you drop out of the fourth tier in men's you're considered non-league that's what they call it it's semi-professional basically and even even a team that size uh they have a women's program uh there are teams that are non-league like clapton fc that have a women's program so it feels like compare at least to when i was growing up watching football which would have been in the 90s uh and early 2000s um, did has completely changed. Uh, I, I, I can speak outside of Canada um, uh, that uh, it's becoming more popular. Like even even in Iran, our women's team qualified for the Asian uh, Championships for the for, for the first time. Uh, I don't I don't even think Iran really had a women's team uh, 12, 13 years ago. It's a it's a newer thing. So I can I can say for globally speaking. It's definitely becoming more popular. It is more money is going into it, uh, which is good to see. Um, and uh, I, I would say, in ways, uh, the matches that I've seen, uh, sure, uh, I would say like the prime, the like Premier League level of men's, the best of the best of men's, are maybe you know typically better than the best of the bands of, of women's than my personal opinion when it comes down to the quality of the sport itself. Uh, but there's such a high level of competition. Basically women's soccer has come so far that the best of women's is better quality than some of the mid tier men games. And one thing I definitely enjoy watching, I enjoy about watching women's sports is that you don't have as much as uh grass rolling i love that like you get hit in a woman's game you get back up you don't have any of these neymar doing spins and backflips and acting like they were shot none of that crap they and i i mean maybe i'm reading too much into it maybe it's just there's that burden of wanting to prove that you're tough like women wanting to prove that you know they can do the men's sports so they just go like yeah no biggie yeah i got hit i was a foul the ref called it you know let's play on it doesn't have any of that crap that we have in the men's game so yeah, overall, overall, I would say it's it's growing. It's and uh, yeah, as I said, uh, hope I, maybe I should get into the habit of watching more of it than just watching it when there's no men's games around, which is what I do now, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I will say there uh, a lot more money, like you were saying, has been poured in, and uh, in North America, the WNBA. Uh, has seen millions of dollars now poured into it, whereas before it was just the you know the the little league compared to the NBA. Now lots of money yeah. is being put in the North uh, North American Women's League here uh, has lots of money has been started uh, to be poured in. Uh, there's new teams expansion already. Um, and some athletes like uh, Serena Williams is a part owner of the new uh, women's team in LA uh, that's going to start to play. And in North America, lots of these 
household names now, at least for the women's program here in Canada, are being signed overseas and playing in the, the women's league uh, for teams like Chelsea and Lyon and uh, all different uh, European uh, clubs. And it's coming back and Canadians are being more aware because they're following these athletes on social media. So they're like, they're finding out what they do outside of the national team. Cause you don't just play for your nation. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta make money and stay in shape somehow. Uh, so the Olympic uh, for the women's started in 2012 with the uh, bronze medal after the heartbreaking loss to the Americans from a call that shouldn't have been made or rarely is made. Then again, in, uh, Brazil losing again to the Americans in the semifinals and then winning bronze. And finally, meeting up with the Americans, you knew you had to slay the dragon to get on top. And that's what they did. They shocked the Americans and won on penalty kicks for the gold medal, which I think had at least one third of every Canadian was watching that gold medal game. Um, oh wow so it was uh it was on at the right time it was nighttime in tokyo so it was early morning or mid-morning uh in canada so was it a weekend uh, game uh it was not it was a, a thursday or friday so okay. uh, everyone was totally working, working. from home <laughs> totally not okay. watching it instead but uh when you have numbers like that you know you have the attention of the nation and uh, that just added to the the summer of uh, women athletes for Canada really rocking it. Brazil repeated as Olympic champions uh, on the men's side. Uh, no Neymar this time, uh, but uh, I think people remember watching Neymar take that penalty kick and win gold for the first time for Brazil. They were able to repeat uh, Spain and Mexico rounding out the podium for the men's side. And Sweden, of course, losing to Canada in the gold medal game and the U.S. winning bronze. Now, uh, do you feel like this has been the culmination? Like, you know, some Canadian women's soccer players because the program has been so much better than the men's side for so long here in Canada uh, that the women's athletes have been household names whereas many people couldn't name an individual on the men's team um do you think that some of the veterans like christine sinclair they're going to hold on and try to win the world cup in 2023 uh or do you think you know some of them might not make it i mean 2023 is not that far away uh but do you think that's going to be the the swan song for the those veterans that we grew up listening to and watching and now it's part of the young the younger group that has emerged now do you think they're going to take hold uh before or after uh, the next women's world cup uh i guess considering it's only a i mean it's a delayed olympic so you can't say tokyo 20 it was tokyo 2021 so yeah, I think two years is still good enough to get the same, uh, uh, what do you call it, same squad in uh, playing in the World Cup. 
Uh, I mean, and if we worked in the Olympics, why not, uh, you know, like why change it? Uh, worst case scenario, you end up being in a position where your, uh, your veteran players, your older players are, they can't deliver. But I think at the, at the same time, with their win in the Olympics, they've proven that they deserve the chance to uh, try again for a World Cup. So I think it's just the right thing to, if they want, uh, to move with the more or less same squad. And after that plan, uh, I mean, obviously, not exactly the same lineups. You know, try to introduce like one or two younger players into the squad uh, for the World Cup as like regular starters. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say if it's not broke, don't fix it until it breaks. So go into the World Cup with the same squad. Forget about age, any of that stuff. Just just uh, and then plan for the next, uh, maybe for the next Olympics, try with the younger players and go with the next generation. You know, try to build like that. Uh, does does, it, does that make sense? Do you do you know what I mean? Uh, that makes sense. Um, now here's a question: How high do you think? Christine Sinclair's goal total can get. What she, what is she on even anyways right now? She I'm, has she has the record for most international goals. Uh, I I'm just checking. I believe it's ever. Like I don't I don't think it's just women's. I think it's all so international. Like, uh, so kind of like um, uh, the Ronaldo uh, record, the like one, like how Ronaldo has the most men's goal scored in international football, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it okay? Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, she's thirty-eight. I didn't even realize that. Wow. Damn. So she she has a hundred and eighty-eight <laughs> goals. Uh, hundred and eighty-eight goals in three hundred and. Oh, I don't know. Just looking at how many appearances she's had, I don't think as the sport grows, uh, you're going to see anyone have that many caps. 306 caps is... No, 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 no. Uh, I don't think this record is going to be broken because <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone's going to play that many national team games. Uh, to be honest, again, I, I, I don't know... I don't know the full schedule of international uh, women's football. So maybe they do play more games internationally than men's do. Uh, that's might be why the number seems inflated to me. But when I look at 306 games, that's like, what does that compare to Cristiano Ronaldo? Well, that's the thing too. A lot of men continue to play club football but they stop they retire from international like sometimes even 10 years before they stop playing club football sometimes it's not their choice <laughs> sometimes it's uh the club but, but I'm, I'm look i'm looking here to like cristiano ronaldo is two years younger than her uh he started in the national teams uh yeah he started international international team in 2003 three and he only has a hundred and eighty four games so yeah I, I i i don't know maybe women's football there's more international matches uh or 
uh, because as long as I remember, like as Cristiano Ronaldo has been more or less since he became a star, he's been playing for the national team. So yeah, basically from from the, the numbers that I just saw, uh, and I I don't know enough to you know make a call about other players in the women's game, but the, I just don't think you're going to get that many caps. You're not going to get 308 matches from a player in the future. So just based on that, I don't think you're going to get 188 goals. I don't know what what do you I get you know the sport better than I do. Do you know if if there's a chance for anyone else to break their record that I'm missing? I mean at this moment no. Um I don't think any American Abby Wambach has retired. <laughs> so I don't uh yeah, I I don't see a Yeah, everyone who's in the top 5 uh is retired outside of christine sinclair uh so yeah the the closest competitor she has is uh alex morgan uh from the u.s who has 115 goals um and she started playing 2010 maybe she has 190 okay. caps. Okay. Um, there's Marta, but I mean, same thing. She's around Christine's age, but yeah. she's the best Brazilian women's football player uh, with 113 goals. Yeah. Um, but she's she's started her career in 2002, so I'm guessing maybe five years left with her. Uh, she, you know, she wants to win uh, a major international uh, trophy for sure. So she's going to keep going as well. Yeah, those those three are the only active players with 100 or more goals. So, <laughs> yeah, then uh, realistically, I'm just looking at those numbers, as you just mentioned, I, I don't think anyone's going to break it. And I feel like as as the game grows and more women more women play, there's going to be more competition, less chances of people being able to hold on to a position in the national team for uh, 22 years. Now, do you think 108 matches? Do you think 200 goals is achievable? Uh, if, she, if she goes to the next World Cup, plays for the qualifiers to the World Cup, starts all those matches, no injuries, yeah. Because what, what that would be uh, is uh, 12, 12 goals, right? 12, 12 goals. goals between yeah, 12 goals at the rate that she's doing. Let's say she has 20 more matches, the qualifiers and the World Cup, uh, assuming Canada makes a deep run in the World Cup. Yeah, I think it's possible. Uh, I think so, too. Uh, we will be watching uh, the Christine Sinclair goal watch. Is officially on March 200. <laughs> we'll keep you updated. Uh, although they're they're not playing any games until the new year, so uh, we can put it on pause for now. Uh, <laughs> so uh, going forward, um, I'm not going to talk about the MLS because the MLS is the MLS. Uh, but over on your side of the world the epl how 
has uh, this season gone? Uh, I know last season was uh, a little bit different and I know things are starting to change around the world, but um, they started the league and uh, the season on time. Uh, what, what has been the flow? How has this uh, season started and uh, got into essentially the, we're almost at the halfway point at this point. So uh, how has everything been going? Uh, things have been good. Fans are back in the stadium, so that was nice to see this season. Uh, the first match was Arsenal-Brentford, which I watched, and that was a really good starting match. It was the newly promoted team beating Arsenal at home, and yeah, it was, it was a beautiful scene to watch. I, I'm not even a Brentford fan, but just like the aftershot of the crowd, of just, you know, having that, you know, tens of thousands of people in the stadium, people crying because there is their first, their team's first win in the premier league or in a type flight. Actually for Brentford, it was their first win in the top flight, I think not even premier league. So it's been like 93 years or something like that. Uh, yeah. Um, it started with good vibes. Uh, everyone was happy. Uh, there's obviously I'm going to maybe run through the list of teams rankings and kind of give you my opinions on, how things are spending, what's a surprise, what's not a surprise. It's easier to give you what little tidbit about each team. Uh, I would say, before I get into that, that right now I'm a bit disappointed with the COVID situation because uh, matches canceled last week, matches canceled this week, a lot of them this week. And it somehow seems like it's going to end up being even worse than last season. Last season, even though we didn't have the vaccine, there were not as many as cancellations. Uh, the 2020, sorry, the 2019-2020 season had a lot of cancellations. That's the one that had a big gap where there was no sports. They just call it off. Last season, there were maybe the odd game here and there that was missing. But this season, we've already broken the record of last season with the amount of games that got canceled. So uh, it's looking like they're going to ban fans from the stadiums again. They've already doing that in Netherlands which is a shame. I, I, I personally went to, not the EPL game this season, but I went to uh, a couple of uh, uh, Tier 4. It's called League 2 here. Uh, so it was nice to actually go back to the stadium in person. Um, oh, yeah. As, as for the EPL, uh, the top of the table is exactly what you would expect. It's Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, top two are split apart between two uh, points. Man City is on top. Could change any day. Uh, Liverpool is not the Liverpool of 2019-2020. Uh, uh, they're good, but there's just there's just something missing, uh, especially defensively. Uh, it's, their, it's their style. Like They're like they're all out attack. They've got that front line of uh, Jota, uh, Mosala, Sane, uh, Firmino. These are like unbelievable players. So obviously they're going to score a lot, but their defense is not as tight. Um, so maybe that's why they have a couple more draws than Man City, which is causing them to fall down a bit. Man City playing immaculate, obviously. Chelsea, boring football, but it's doing the job. They're top three. Arsenal is fourth, which is a bit surprised to me. I thought. Uh, the wheels are going to fall off that fully this season, but it seems like Arteta's managed to get the, you know, get the boys 
rallying. Uh, they made a couple of good signing defensively. They got Ben White from Brighton, which is a great signing in my opinion. And uh, it seems like they're doing decent. I don't think they're going to break into the top three. They're, they're not there yet. Um, and I think they're also benefiting from uh, Man, Man United and Tottenham just absolutely shitting the bed this season, which we're going to get to. Uh, but yeah, uh, one thing that I've, the term that I've heard about Arsenal a lot this season is that they play donut football, which is they play a lot of uh, players uh, in a high wings and they just keep circling the ball over and over again in a donut shape. They don't actually get the ball to the center of the field and score. Um, West Ham being, uh, I guess, kind of a surprise is a kind of a good feel story. David Moyes uh, redeeming himself consistently playing good, being top five this season. So last season wasn't a fluke. Um, they're also doing decent in European competition. Um, although as much as I don't like their fans, <laughs> mainly because uh, their stadium is pretty close to my house. And on a, on a match day, uh, <laughs> going through going through the shopping center where the, this near the stadium is a nightmare. Yeah, a bunch of drunk West Ham fans. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So, okay, now we're getting into the good stuff. We got to Man United. I don't know if you're aware. Uh, Solskjaer got sacked. Are you familiar with what, what that is? What happened? That, that wasn't like the trending hashtag for like four days. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. His his numbers weren't there. The squad wasn't performing, even with Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo coming back. Right? Everyone thought like we act like it's been. It's oh, that was years ago. No, no, that was like <laughs> what three months ago. Oh man, it was it, it was such a big deal here. It was like you wouldn't have not stop hearing about Cristiano's back is gonna save them. No, wait, oh shit, he's on the bench. Two two matches in a row, he's on the bench. What is going on? Uh, so yeah, you could definitely see that he doesn't have it. Same goes for Messi. Is he, like they're still great players, but they're obviously old. They're like they don't hustle back as much. Not that they were great defenders to begin with, but they don't hustle as much. They're just like, if the ball passes them, they're like, all right, it's, it's gone. I'm just going to let someone else, someone else's problem. Um, the only thing that's made uh, Man United seem good in comparison this season is the Spurs uh, <laughs> being even worse, uh, which is now they're starting to do better with Conte as their manager. And it's kind of a surprise because I always thought Nuno was a great coach. I don't know why it worked out. It didn't work out for him in the Spurs. There were some murmurs of him having really weird habits. Uh, and when you have a not a world-class coach with weird habits combined with a bunch of overpaid, pompous players, you're going to get a crowd. You're going to get a, a a squad that doesn't follow their manager and doesn't do things properly. So he was very. He was the first one to get sacked this season, which was insane. I would have thought. Uh, what's his face? Not Mike Ashley, the Newcastle guy, Steve Bruce. I thought Steve Bruce would get sacked before him, but no, it was him. Uh, yeah, Wolves doing decent, better than we expected. Uh, uh, disappointment on the disappointment count. Uh, count. Uh, we got. By the way, feel free to jump in. I feel like I'm just freestyling right here. I'm just going down the list. Uh, <laughs> uh of like Leicester City. It's definitely a disappointment. They're sitting at ninth, um, which is not what you would expect with a squad that has more or less stayed the same as last season, which was for, for good reasons it stayed the same season because they had good players and the same coach. Uh, you would expect them to be more consistent. You would expect them to pull something like uh, West Ham is pulling. 
it, even a bit better squad than West Ham. Uh, they have multiple attackers in their squad, whereas West Ham has Antonio, and if he's injured, they're shit out of luck. Uh, Aston Villa, now they're sitting where they are. They should be. Uh, they had to sack their coach, who got him up, who got him back up to the Premier League. Uh, uh, Dean Smith, good coach. Just I guess after you stay with the team for too long and don't really break that barrier, the crowd, the the, the, the squad kind of loses motivation and they start losing some matches they shouldn't. A team is sitting decently spot in a decent spot is Crystal Palace. It's actually these next three are all surprises, kind of. Crystal Palace at 11, Brentford new, uh, newly promoted at 12, and Brighton at 13th. Uh, I would say between these two, between these three teams, at least two of them, any two of them could have been in the relegation zone at the moment. Uh, although things are not looking too good at Brighton, they haven't won a single match in 11 games. I've had a lot of draws, and that's not good. That's not good when your manager is on his third year at a club. You've had enough time to do something. Uh, and yeah, Everton uh, put him down as a severe disappointment. Rafa Benitez, uh, I think one of the highest spending teams in the transfer market. Not They're not showing up for it. They've had three losses in five. It's, it's not looking good in Everton. Their fans staged a walkout because of how bad it was. Um... When is their new like stadium it. scheduled to be open? Good question. Because uh, I know that was the big that was the big push was like we want fans, we want to spend money, and then open this brand new stadium and like we'll be set. Was the the vibe I got from that from that press conference? They, I don't. I don't think. I think their problems are way. They got bigger issues than having a new stadium. They have the money. They have a okay. So, th- so there is a theory that Mushiri, uh, who is the owner of Everton, uh, another Iranian, uh, he's actually a front for no, uh, <laughs> uh, no, seriously, he's a front for uh, a Russian billionaire, uh, an unnamed Russian billionaire. Um, I mean, you could do your own research. You'll find his name very easily. Uh, but because, uh, I don't know, if you know, Abrahamovic, no, not Abrahamovic, but Abramovich, who was a Russian billionaire, bought Chelsea at around mm-hmm. the same time. There was Rush. And then because of political reasons, they started putting some restrictions on foreign Russian owners in the EPL. So instead of the guy by directly buying the team, he bought it through his middlemen. Um, the same way that the Newcastle's new owners aren't, actually the Saudi royal family there are a husband and wife team but they're basically in reality they're just a face for uh, a holdings company or whatever uh, uh, basically the Saudi royals Saudi royals own Newcastle now but for human rights reasons you can't really put their name on it so let's just pretend this couple actually owns it yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Everton's got definitely uh, bigger problems than a new stadium. Their their culture is rotten. The team the team culture is completely rotten to the core. They can keep changing managers. It's not going to fix it. Uh, they just need a structural change throughout the entire team. They're one of they're one of the highest grossing teams in the in the league. There's no reason for why they should be where they are. 
Uh, then we are obviously we're getting to the bottom of the table now. Southampton, massively disappointing uh, after all these years, still sitting 15th. Uh, I mean, their squad is not the greatest squad, but come on. What are we doing? What are we doing here? Uh, Leeds United, that's that's one that is, is in a definitely disappointment columns because everyone likes to... Uh, you said no kids listen to this, right? Correct. Okay. <laughs> Everybody likes to suck off uh, Bielsa, their their coach. He's like known as a manager's manager. He's like a game changing attacking manager, and uh, uh, there was so much hype about him because he brought Leeds back into the EPL last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they're sitting at 16th. They play attractive football, but they also attractively get their ass beat. So when they when they lose, they lose big. Uh, like they they're the type of team that has like three nil wins but then if they play a big team they will have a five nil win loss like that's the type of team they are uh and now we're getting to the bottom for basically the relegation zone uh we got ourselves these teams are uh the last spot the 20th and the 17th the safe spot basically are three points watford just at the 17th spot i don't know if they're gonna stay um the bottom three I do feel like two of these teams, Newcastle and Newcastle, even with the money coming in, I think it's too late for them this season. Uh, Eddie Howe is not a good coach. They got one win on the year. What happened in Newcastle? Like they were always perennials and Mike Ashley happened. Ah. Mike Ashley, their owner. uh, He's the owner of um, a a chain called Sports Direct. It's a sports sporting good uh, retail store. Uh, think of it as their sports check, basically. And uh, he was like notorious for being stingy. Like, absolutely. And they just kept buying other teams' trash. Anytime a team would get relegated, they would just buy the second or third best player for like pocket change and be like, oh, we signed someone. It's like, yeah, but you didn't sign the right person. Mm. Uh, they have good individual players in there. And they also had a coach who was way above his head uh steve bruce great great guy uh but he just he just wasn't he wasn't the right job for him he was under too much pressure and then uh burnley it's burnley uh, so, so burnley's <laughs> match against tottenham got canceled because they're the only team in the epl who don't have uh under turf or under grass heating so it snowed the turf uh... froze <laughs> so uh, that that's 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 basically Burnley would not be in the EPL if they did not have the coach that they have. The even the fact that they're still in this league it blows my mind. And obviously the most disappointing of them all, Norwich City. I thought my boy Daniel Forrick, the German uh, genius, was going to you know get him to soar. I get it because our bird, their their team logo is a bird. Uh, yeah, but. Not only he got sacked, they're still at the bottom, and now they have Villa's old coach. And yeah, that's 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 basically my rundown at APL. It's me freestyling. I mean, anything I didn't cover. That sounds pretty, pretty much uh, spot on. I mean, yeah, like West Ham, uh, you expect to be, you know, in the position where Leicester is or Aston Villa 
around there, but they're yeah. not. Uh, the Wolves uh, keeping up with that surprise uh, from last year. Um, Brentford being uh, being pretty good in the safe area, anyways. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Brighton too. You know, there's they got that you know, nine ten point cushion right now. A little bit under the halfway points because, like you said, matches are getting postponed and yeah. pushed. Uh, so a lot of the next games won't even happen until Boxing Day. Although Boxing Day is like their version of football on Thanksgiving, if you will, in America. Yeah. So that that I'm not shocked that you would uh, you you wouldn't really postpone these games during the week. You just save it for Boxing Day when everyone's going to yeah. be at home and most amount of eyes. And Amazon yeah. has the broadcasting rights. Right, <laughs> right. That's 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 going to throw a wrench in. Well, not a wrench, but that's going to be a. As much as people hate Amazon, that brings exposure, at least yeah, over. Yeah. So, I mean, good on the EPL. You get that Amazon. You get that Jeff Bezos space money. <laughs> Just uh, yeah, and and around around Boxing Day is like it, the schedule is crazy. There's literally matches. The same team plays twice in three days. All the teams play twice in three days, which is insane to me. That's that's a quick quick turnaround. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so there's one match tomorrow. Um, if we're lucky, if yeah, <laughs> there's one. Match. If, if everything happens properly, there'll be a match tomorrow. And if not, have to wait for Boxing Day. And for those of you who aren't from the Commonwealth, Boxing Day is December 26th, and uh, it's a holiday for some people. It's a stat holiday, which means you get paid to not work. Uh, and you get paid to watch sports. So, which I found out is actually uh, also after Saint. It's Saint something. Boxing Day was like a religious thing, kind of like Christmas. How Christmas has Saint Nicholas. Eh? Boxing Day has its own saint, but over time it has become like Boxing Day, Shopping Day. What the name of that saint is? I don't remember right now. I I can't say I've as a. Student of history, uh, I feel a little embarrassed that I've never heard of Boxing Day named after a saint, but uh, historically it was the day that you boxed up all of your ornaments and decorations after Christmas because, you know, leaving Christmas lights up all year round is a rookie move. <laughs> Just never take him down. Just never, you never have to put him back up. Exactly. You don't have to worry about putting it up before or after the first snowfall. Although those those of you listening in California and Florida and Arizona have no idea what we are talking about. Because uh, you don't get snow. So congratulations. <laughs> now, uh, the... Big brother of the EPL is the Champions League. And uh, Champions League draws thousands of eyeballs just for the uh, draws to see who and what team is playing what team. Uh, of course, we're down to uh, we're down the group stages. So we're down to uh, the round of 32. And um, normally... You know, it's fun to watch. They spin the, you know, 
balls around in the pot and then you get to see how screwed you are for the smaller teams that make it uh or you finally get big exposure you get to play a team like real madrid bayern munich uh and you go oh well that team that good luck to that team they 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 did well they made it far um but a little extra excitement happened in this last draw that created so much content from people that I've never heard of uh, because this is a rarity and then you get all the hashtags and the, Oh, it's fixed and all this stuff. Uh, Did you watch the draw or uh, did you hear about it afterwards and thought what the heck just happened? You're talking about the round of 16 draw, right? The round of 60. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Not not the initial group stage one. 32 teams. 60. Yeah. Yes. Uh, wait. Are there? Are we? Did I miscount? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about after the group stage. That's the one we we're talking about. The drive after the group stage. Oh, or yes. Drop for the yes. Group round stage. of sixteen. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, the group stage one was you know it was it was pretty normal. Uh, I did not watch the draw. I heard about what happened. Uh, because um, I, I was actually following the the UEFA League draw. Mm. And then they're like, "Oh, it got canceled. And we need to do everything again." Uh, yeah, it's this is this is uh, okay. Again, kids don't listen to this, so I can say it. this is bullshit. Uh, I don't even know why you have a draw for after the group stages. You have draws for group stages. That makes sense. You want to randomly allocate teams based on the pots that they're in. Perfectly makes sense. After that, just do whatever the hell they did it for decades before. Slash, uh, what they do for the World Cup, which is. First team plays the second team from the team from the group next, and vice versa. Second team from group A plays top team in group B, uh, and just 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 go about it that way, the classic way. Uh, this this draw crap is just another excuse to sell advertisement, and uh, that's that's all it is. All it is is content, uh, completely unnecessary. Wouldn't have issues like this. Um, so yeah, sorry, we forgot to put Atletico Madrid's ball in menus draw it's like who cares they picked up the wrong ball and it could have been selected and then yeah and like i think i think most of them were more or less the same right most of the teams were the same matchup from the first yeah Yeah. there was i mean there was the the manu versus uh psg and everyone was like oh man finally messi versus ronaldo and um uh, i forget baron may maybe was playing than Fika or something like that mm-hmm. and not too much or they were playing yeah not too much really changed but it was the fact that they kept going on and on about oh we have a process and there are uh, we have to let our computers verify it's like you, you do you count on fingers you go oh no he was in the same pool before so cool take it it just got way do, too do, confusing. Do you, okay, in your opinion, do you think it makes sense to have a draw for a round of 16? Other than the theatrics, no. It, you just you maybe do a draw, switch it up every year so group A doesn't always play group A1 doesn't always play group B2. Okay. Yeah. But you know, I mean, I mean that makes it fair so you don't always, you know, maybe face the same team in the round of 16, but 
you're dead on. This is just a money grab. Just and look at, I mean, they made a mistake. So everyone's talking about it, but then you get the, oh, it's rigged. It's, it's, they're just wanting to make money. They're all this stuff that's waste of breath. I mean, I, I guess it gives people like us something to talk about, yeah. but you, you don't, you just put a group in the, the pots and you have a random draw who picks first or what team of winners you could have a draw to see. So it's not just A, B, C, D, just a luck of the draw that way. So, Oh, winner of group uh, D you pick first. Okay. You get second place of group. Obviously you don't pick the same one out of your group and bada bing the old pencil and paper method. You just cross off something. Okay. That works. You don't need a computer algorithm that has to also worry about the humans putting the right balls in the pot because then it's human picked anyways. It's not like a computer picks it. So what's the point of having a computer algorithm to tell you? The guy who was announcing knew right away as soon as the ball was picked. He's like, well, that's not right because they were in the same group. And then everyone was like, oh my God, you're right. So <laughs> there was human error. You just have that one guy. He, he knows. He knows the rules. Yeah. He knows what's up. Just... I mean, it's very exciting when they pick uh, for the World Cup the groups because that's always fun. Like that's yeah. a, a momentous occasion, but that happens. Yeah. Groups make sense, yeah. Yeah, groups, groups make sense. Exception. But after that, you, the, um, the World Cup doesn't overcomplicate it. They and they want all the money they FIFA wants all the money they can. So yeah. it, it just and they blamed it on the service provider. Like, what service provider? The people who made your program like give me a break uh they always try and blame someone else but uh we did get matchups um it was the illuminati yeah always the illuminati (laughs) um we love you illuminati i'm sure you're you're big fans (laughs) please sponsor this podcast like the sponsor please uh so um yeah, going through the uh, uh, official, in quotation, uh, matchups, <laughs> I mean, there are some that seem kind of like a no-brainer, like Baron versus Salzburg. Uh, you got to pick the, I guess, the over-under of how many goals will they win by. <laughs> <laughs> um, sporting versus Man City. You know, Man City has been on a tear as well. Uh, Benfica versus Ajax. Uh Again, it, on, on, on paper, it seems like, uh, and especially when you look up the odds, it looks like even-ish. But as someone who's watched a lot of Portuguese league, because uh, there's an Iranian player in Porto that I watch, and yeah, I would say Benfica is not going to withstand AX. AX no. is going to kick their ass. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of people aren't giving Lil the time of day. Now they are facing Chelsea, but I don't That's think why. it's yeah. <laughs> but I don't even after the first draw. I love Jonathan David too, man. But come on, it's Chelsea. He's an it's icon, man. Okay, they're reigning champions. It's uh, it's uh, what do you call it? It's two Chelsea. Chelsea. This team is 
I, I just think they're not, they are the defending champions of League One, but I, I think people are acting like they just barely squeaked in and it's an anomaly that they're in the round of 16. The way people are talking. Okay. The, ol- the only thing I could see working Lil's uh, uh, benefit is exhaustion on Chelsea's part, because as I mentioned in the EPL, they keep that period of Christmas. Um, pretty jam-packed, and you got the FA Cup, and then you got the Carabao Cup. I actually think Chelsea is still in the Carabao Cup, so they have a lot of games to play, and the squad is going to be completely tired. That's that's one thing that could work to Lille's advantage, because I know the French League takes a longer break than the English League, and uh, they don't have an they don't have like an FA Cup, and also at League Cup, they just have. Their Coupe de France, which is mm-hmm. the FA Cup equivalent. So, yeah, I, I, but I still, I still think Chelsea is going to run away with it. Do you think that's a hindrance for many English teams that there's almost too much football? Now, I mean, it, of course, it doesn't happen every year. You don't always make Champions League, FA Cup high. Yeah. Like you can, and the teams that you often see there do. But do you almost think it's like maybe you shouldn't do you should do one less competition? And focus? I don't think I don't know why the Carabao Cup exists. Well, exactly. Like what? Why. What is the it's the League Cup? There's no reason for it to exist. And now there's like for the lower tiers that are not in the League Cup slash Carabao Cup, they have this thing called the Papa John's Cup. Oh my. <laughs> and my local team is in it so if like if you go to the match at a uh uh you could literally order like pizza at halftime or something it's it's, it's i haven't been but i've heard stories like i don't know it's 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 yeah i mean sports is what makes us money is what makes the sports so accessible but at the same time i i don't need i don't need four competitions for my team that's unbelievable. Like if I'm a Chelsea or Arsenal fan, I don't need. Well, that's the thing. If you get out of the UEFA, you get just knocked down to the Europa. Like, it's... and you get knocked out of Europa, you get you... knocked down to this newly conference league, which it... is like, <laughs> why am I playing the third place? Why are why do we have an English team play against like the uh, third place team from Slovenia? Well, who's getting anything from this? And then, and then, if you're good enough to be on international squad, then you got the international breaks that have those games. Like, it 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 gets it becomes a lot. And I mean, and you know what's the dumbest? That's sorry, why. Sorry, but you know what's the worst part about it for English football? They do not allow five substitutions. At least in other leagues, in the Portuguese league, you have five substitutions, so you can rotate your players more during the game. In the English league, they're allowing. Three plus one in case of a, a concussion. Uh, it's so stupid. Yeah, it, it's, and it's the league. It's it's the country with the most competitions. So yeah, you want you want conditioning and cardio. That's it. It's stupid. It's very stupid. It's, it's, very, it's not good for the players. Yeah. So the back half. Sorry, sorry, I need to random. And also, even as a fan, I was like, you don't need to watch that much football. Like, go play with your kids, or like, get a hobby or something, man. Like, do you really need to watch your team play like four matches in a span of ten days? Like, I know as a 
as a hockey fan or an NBA fan, that in North American sports is a bit different because we're used to it. But yeah, like I don't know. You just don't. You don't need that much football. Sorry, sorry. You can move on to the next subject. That's. I don't want to ramble on. It, it is a lot of fo- like. No wonder people don't want to play for your international team for long time because that yeah. just you, you want that two week break or that week break you know, four times a year. But that yeah it yeah. Now uh, the other four are Atletico versus Man U. Uh, which people are giving? I hope, I hope Man U destroys them. Uh, I wish nothing by <laughs> ill. I just, I because um, uh, Atletico is a team that knocked out Porto, and uh, obviously, um, as someone who follows Porto, my butt's heard a bit about that. Uh, normally, it would be, but the manner in which it happened, it, they're such a dirty team. Like Atletico, I have never seen a team, and this is not the only season this has happened. They they have this like, it's like the football equivalent of hackishack. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, hackishack mm, in yeah, basketball. Yeah, yeah. How you hack? Yeah, yeah, it's it's the it's those dirty fouls that kill, kills the flow of the game. Yeah, they're, yeah, I they just they're not a good team to watch. They're they're they they play not even anti football is not even the right word for it. They're like black hole football. It's no joy in it. I hate him. I hate Atletico. There you go, yeah. Man, you for the win right there. <laughs> yeah, no more, please. Nor uh, Villarreal versus uh, Juventus. Uh, I think that one's a, a coin flip. Yeah, surprisingly, Juventus has had a really poor season. So yeah, you're right there. And Villarreal has a good coach. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Inter versus Liverpool. Mm, Liverpool's gonna win. Yeah, that's yeah, and yeah. then. Uh, <laughs> PSG versus Real Madrid, uh, not as flashy as uh, maybe a few years ago, uh, but uh, people are still excited. I, I don't. It's the it's the most even match. Uh, I would say it's the most exciting one. Yeah, I think it's probably going to have the most amount of action, uh, betting wise, because it is so even. Typically, those uh, bring in a lot yeah. of money. Uh, so those are the round of sixteen. Now have and no those, Barcelona and no Barcelona. Uh, have they? Uh, have those games been pushed at all, or are they still on schedule? Uh, as as it stands, it's still on schedule, and there is no matches between English and French clubs, right? Actually, there is Chelsea Lille. Uh, that might be an issue because I know in rugby today they canceled all uh, international uh, rugby games between English and French teams, uh, like club rugby. Mm. So it might be the same thing. We'll see. Or they might have to play them in a neutral venue. That's what they did during the last lockdown, right? So Yes. Well, I mean, UEFA's got the money. That's not a a problem for them to to find a neutral site. Uh, It's just getting the players there, again, because they have club club matches and everything in between. Mm -hmm. So... It's uh, always, uh, and these games are always during the week as well, generally Tuesday, Wednesday. So you never know, <laughs> but uh, who knows? It, anything can happen between now and February, uh, which brings us to 
World Cup qualifying. Now, we did talk about the women's side. Uh, it's not women's World Cup qualifying. That is uh, not happening until next year or probably mm-hmm. late 2022, early 2023. Um, World Cup qualifying. This is the last tournament of 32 teams uh, before it is expanded to 48 teams in 2026, which yep. is uh, going to need a lot more um mathematical skills to see who and how people qualify Uh, but i find that very very fascinating how teams can qualify different regions uh even doesn't matter for any sport any world championships like the world juniors uh hockey it happens every year uh, around christmas time i always love and trying to understand how teams get relegated and how what teams get brought up you know, how does Kazakhstan make it to play the United States and Canada and hockey? Um, so I always enjoy all of that. So uh, for the first time in, well, my lifetime anyways, um, there's a real, real buzz for Canadian men's soccer. Yep. Uh, and uh, I have you, uh, I mean, you're... <laughs> Your squad uh, is typically better than uh, than Canada, so uh, you're uh, you're used to more hype around your team. But uh, from someone living abroad, what is your take on Canada on the men's team or uh, just world this World Cup qualifying in general? Uh, well, I think this was the first time since I moved. Uh, to the UK where I've heard anyone mention anything about Canadian football, men or women. Uh, and the thing that people were talking about is the infamous game, which will like go down in history against Mexico. Uh, just people, people, were, their minds were blown by the fact that it was a football match happening in minus 15 degrees. It was minus 15, right? Yes. Or colder. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I get comments like I got comments from friends and like coworkers like, holy shit, did you see? Because everyone like me, I, I, to be honest, I've been accepted at two in the morning to watch the match. It was <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a work day. But yeah, it just everyone saw the highlights. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, so now people are um, aware. And then that got people to look into it. They're like, holy crap, I didn't know Canada's better than Mexico and, and the States. I didn't know you guys had a good team. And uh, some people are appreciating what's happening. As someone who more, I have a bit of a familiarity with the squad. Uh, that's not as much of a surprise to me. Even I think our very first podcast that we did about the sport, we I brought off uh, Jonathan uh, David, Jonathan David, and Davies. These two guys are by North American standards unbelievable. And uh, I knew this team was going to go places. I just not this quickly. I thought it was going to be for the next World Cup. And uh, I initially had them, maybe if we were lucky, playing for that. Um, eh, what is it? Is the fourth spot? I thought yeah. it would be between Canada and Costa Rica for that fourth spot. Maybe Costa Rica edging us out a bit. Uh, but uh, turns out, no, Jamaica shut the bet, and so did Costa Rica. So Canada's doing pretty well, and uh, I think uh, I think. They have a good chance of just direct qualification. Yeah. Uh, at the World Cup 
itself, depending on the group. I mean, um, when, I mean, we're going to get into other uh, continents. Yeah, depending on the group, this squad has a chance of, you know, going to the next round. So, yeah, a pleasant surprise. Uh, it'll be it'll be nice for me to have two teams at the World Cup to cheer for if Canada makes it. Canada and Iran. I will just represent both. I will only care about the. I will only cheer for England if they're like in the semifinals <laughs> and both Canada and Iran are out. Otherwise, just like the Euros, I don't care. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, this is this is a this is a great team, and that that one is historic. That's gonna be. It's gonna go down even even if Canada doesn't do well in the World Cup. That's definitely going to be one of those uh, sports defining moment that's going to get young kids interested in the sport. And well, that's let, good. Let me tell you, uh, uh, we were able to go to uh, one of those games, uh, contemplated going to the Mexico game, uh, minus 15. I was like, <laughs> I was, a, yeah, I decided. The stadium uh, was busy. Even, stadium even with was, minus 15, it was busy. Yeah, yeah. 40, let me tell you. So we went to uh, uh, the Canada-Costa Rica game. So that was... <laughs> Uh, very, very good. Canada won one nothing. There was roughly 48,000 people that packed Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. It was the third yep. largest crowd ever. Wow. And that was a World There's Cup. There's also a crowd for, uh, for a Canadian men's soccer game? Yes. Okay, okay. And so uh, it really showed that uh, Edmonton wants to host games because they are in the running to host some games in 2026. Nice. Um, and so, and uh, Jonathan Davies is from Edmonton. So the real hometown. And then, uh, you know, a few days later, they faced Mexico. And uh, the game against Costa Rica, I believe, was around zero. Wasn't terribly, maybe like plus two. Uh, come game time so it wasn't cold but it wasn't uh you know a summer temperature that you're used to uh and then the game against mexico it was almost like that well it'd be cool you know get to see mexico how you know get to see those names yeah. get to see uh and what happened was a complete shock they called it the ice teca instead of the azteca which is uh uh, Mexi the famous Mexican stadium yeah. and uh, one of the coldest matches uh, on record Canada yeah. getting a huge three points and finishing 2021 sitting on top of the table I think what they need two more wins basically to secure uh, yeah I, it all depends on what happens because uh, the top four uh, are there well, well we'll get into it well Okay, so okay. Um, 13 teams have qualified already, and a lot of them come from uh, Europe, which we'll talk about. Uh, yep. And then Qatar automatically qualifying, and then there are yep. two in the Common Bowl uh, because they're just eating everyone else up. Uh, the AFC has four spots plus one or five spots plus one, depending. CAF has five. CONCACAF has three or four. Uh, the O. The poor OFC, uh, zero or one spots, but that will change come 2026. Mm -hmm. And UEFA has 13. And then those uh, playoff spots happen. 
Um, the AFC, uh, you're pretty familiar with, uh, with the AFC. What, uh, how is, uh, how is that going on right now? Um, so group A is the easy group. Uh, <laughs> no, it is. It is. Uh, and like, uh, when the groups were drawn, uh, as, as Iranians were very happy because, uh, um, yeah, we just have South Korea in our group. That could be a threat. And uh, so, yeah, to me, to me personally, it's not a surprise that Iran is top of the group. Again, we're the best team in Asia. We've been in best team in Asia for the past six, seven years. Maybe there was a couple of months where Japan jumped ahead of us, but we've been consistently the best. South Korea is number two. So uh, also, you know, it would have, it's between Iran and South Korea. They, those two are directly going to qualify. Uh, South Korea is, despite their star power and the amount of players that they have uh, playing in European leagues, uh, as a national team, they're not playing that well. I have seen their match against Iran, I guess, match against Lebanon, very uninspired, uh, very disjointed. They start strong, but then they phase off after about 30 minutes. So this team in the World Cup against a good European team is the potential to get their, get their, get, get spanked, basically. Um, Iran on paper is doing really well, but uh, that's because of individual talent. Uh, like we, we, we're, we have your top of the group because of individual talent. Uh, the coaching is extremely poor, in my opinion. There's very, they're, uh, they're just as disjointed as South Korea. The only thing that makes us better is that we have better individual players. I find, uh, even though the world hasn't caught on to that. To that. Uh, then obviously there's the then there's a third spot and the third two teams from the third spot in each group play against each other and the winner of that ends up playing against the South American six spot I believe six or fifth one of those two uh, so in Group A we got uh, UAE uh, so the difference between the second and third spot is South Korea with 14 points, and then you got UAE with six points. So no one else is going to catch up to the top two in that Group A. And I think out of between UAE, Lebanon, Iraq, and Syria, um, UAE will be the team that makes it through, even though Iraq has a better squad. Uh, Iraq is going through a lot of turmoil in with their head coaching, and there's a lot of players fighting with the manager going off announced like posting long Instagram drama tweets about their manager and stuff. So they're bad vibes in that camp. And yeah, so that's, uh, and obviously Syria and Lebanon are going to finish bottom. In my opinion, they're just not in a good position, both as football teams or as countries as it stands economically at the moment. So there are bigger things those countries have to deal with. And then we got group B, which is the group of death, quote unquote. Um, Surprised by the fact that Saudi Arabia hasn't lost a match. Um, they have uh, Morocco's old coach uh, from the World Cup. Uh, so 2018, there was a guy, a French guy named Metsu, I believe is his last name. He's coaching them and getting Saudi Arabia to play really good football. So they're top. Uh, Japan had a couple of poor games at two losses, one to Oman of all teams. Uh, but I think they're kind of bouncing back. And uh, Australia started well, especially the last round of qualifiers. They were doing well, but they seem to kind of plateau uh, on the third spot. Uh, I, I do think that in that group, it will be um, 
what it is right now, which is Saudi Arabia, Japan, Australia, one, two, three. I think that's exactly how it's going to end. Uh, and then Oman, China, and Vietnam. I mean, there's not much to say about them, besides, with the exception of the fact that China is the best example, as you can see, of throwing money at something doesn't make you better at it. You need to actually plan properly because China has spent so much money in trying to develop a good football program and they're still a non-factor when it comes down to international football. Uh, their clubs are doing decent in Asian Championship, but Champions League, but that's about it. But yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, I could go very into detail about AFC if you like, but that's where I'll leave it off because, uh, yeah, that, that's a, I feel like that's a good overview. Well, essentially one more win uh, for South Korea, Iran, or uh, Saudi Arabia would essentially give them yep. Yep. The, the points plateau that they need, especially because yep. there are only four games left. So, yeah. Not the uh, only, not... The, I think, I think just, just say the only ch- chance for an upset, I would say, between these two groups might be in group E if somehow Oman does really well and Australia just falls off. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah, outside of that, I don't see anything, cha- any standings changing really. Well, that or if Australia and Japan have a match against each other left, I'm not sure because they are, I mean, a, a win by either club would really push leapfrog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, tr- let's take a look. It's riveting podcasting. So, uh, they do have, uh, and one- I would. And I would say from uh, between the two groups, whoever finishes third in Group B, uh, which is the Saudi Arabia, Japan, Australia group, that's the team that's going to go to the intercontinental playoffs against the South American team. I don't think any of the teams from Group A, uh, besides Iran and South Korea, have a chance of beating the teams in Group B. That's I. You know what? I, I agree with that one. And so Australia and Japan do have a match. Uh, uh, the last one, March 24th, uh, which is... Is it last... at home in Japan or in Australia? Does it say? Uh, Are you looking uh, at that weird grid? Yeah, I'm looking shows... at the grid. It is <laughs> uh, March 29th. Which is, I believe, the last one. So that could yeah. determine. Oh, the last match. Ooh. The last match. Wow. Or oh, this is weird. Uh, no, March twenty fourth. They play Australia, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So Australia plays Vietnam and. Japan last. Japan has a match against Saudi Arabia. Which they could win. Again, Saudi Arabia has been doing good, but Japan is still the second best team in Asia. So they could they could beat Saudi Arabia if they wanted to. They focus enough. It's... I do think Saudi Arabia is going to qualify as one uh, at, as a top first or second spot, though. They're not going to lose more than one or Two matches. 
So Australia plays Saudi Arabia on the last match. They played Japan before that. Oman on February 1st and Vietnam uh, at the end of January. Okay. So that is going to be... uh, No one really has an easy schedule. No. So the next one, the one that... uh, the next conference that is kind of a mystery because they haven't had a lot of chances to play is the CAF. Uh, we do have the 10 teams that are in uh, the third round, if you will. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of the teams haven't played or had action because of uh, shifting things around the worlds, you know, the usual uh, they will play a home and away uh, over two legs, and the winners of uh, the five contests uh, qualify for the World Cup. Uh, we do not have who's playing who. That will not come until uh, at least the next few rounds of uh, international stoppage. Uh, out of the 10 teams that are there, do you have a – I mean, it really depends on who who plays who – uh, but do you have kind of a, a favorite or do you, um, do you a, a shocking team that might make it? As you said, it's all dependent on the draw because, uh, I mean, if you end up getting a draw that's like Algeria versus Egypt and Morocco versus Tunisia, then you're automatically eliminating two of the best top five teams. Because I, I think... When I look at this list, the North African teams are are heads and shoulders above any of the sub-Saharan African ones because Ghana is not the team that they used to be. Cameroon is not the team that they used to be. Nigeria has a lot of good players. Their management has been questionable. Uh, Senegal is actually a good one. So, yeah, if, if, if we're just looking at who I think the five strongest teams are, I would say Algeria, Morocco... Egypt, uh, Tunisia just won the Arab Cup, so maybe them, and then Senegal. That would be my pick. But I don't think the draw is going to be like that. So, yeah, who knows? I do I do think, however, the draw ends up uh, Egypt and Algeria will make it to the next round. Unless they're playing each other, which would be insane. Yeah, That would be insane. <sighs> Soccer gods would be must be upset if something like that happens. I uh, mean, they, in, in in Europe qualifiers, yeah. <laughs> they don't seem to mind, but we're gonna get there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Essentially, yeah, you're you're not wrong unless we get a, a Democratic Republic of Congo versus Mali. Like, we're not gonna. Yeah, I mean, which could happen, and we could yeah. could see a team that never, not many people thought would never see the World Cup stage. But uh... by the way, I just want to make it very clear. I'm, I, I I do typically think that a lot of these other teams, uh, like non non North African teams, are historically very good, and they are typically better teams than a lot of these North African ones. I just mean at the moment, I feel like the North African squads uh, for this qualifying rounds are just very strong teams, all of them. All well, there, there was a point. It was, uh, you know, Cote d'Ivoire or Ghana, take your pick. Like, yeah. And now it's 
uh, that generation has come through. They don't, uh, many of those players don't play on the international squad. So it's a, yeah. a rebuild, if you will. Uh, like you said, Tunisia has really come up uh, over the last few years. Um, I mean, Egypt has been the, you know, the class same with Algeria for uh, since uh, the turn of the the past decade, if you will. And uh, now it's catch up time for a lot of the other, a lot of the other teams. Uh, we will go to uh, Common Bowl. We'll skip over, save it for last. So, uh, like I said, it's a one giant table, and uh, you play 18 games because uh, there are 10 teams, so you don't play yourself. So you play 18 games. Uh, top four make it, and number five gets that uh, interconference playoff. Uh, Brazil and Argentina have been on cruise control and they have already yep. qualified uh, playing 13 games, one less than everyone else. And they already have enough points that they uh, will clear. And it doesn't matter where you finish in the top four, just you got to finish in the top four. Uh, not shocked that Brazil and Argentina are already qualified. Um, out of the remaining squads, no one's really out of it until you get uh, well Venezuela. But yeah, <laughs> uh, Paraguay has an out outside shot, uh, but really it's uh, Bolivia with 15 points, and they sit in eighth and up. Uh, could keyword is could challenge yep. Colombia and Peru. I don't think Ecuador will be caught, uh, so I think they're safe definitely if they get one more win uh but it's uh, colombia and peru down uh do you see any flip-flopping um uh i mean i'm i'm surprised colombia is as low as they are i was expecting colombia to give uh, brazil and argentina a run for their money uh they have uh, they have unbelievably talented squad uh luis diaz from porto uh probably going to be the next big uh, transfer he's he's the numbers that are being thrown out around this guy is like some are saying as high as, as high as like 100 million euros the guy is insanely talented uh they got sinistera very good talented winger as well their squad just all together is very good uh but it seems like a lot of other south american squads that are good like chile and uruguay they suffer from the problem of having not unknown coaches like they're the coaches just not that good i think when you have a squad when you have this level of individual play like talent individual talent you need to support that by bringing in very good coaches and uh maybe financial whatever reason it seems like uh, a lot of these teams are not getting the support that they need from like getting the coaches that they need so uh, I, I do think still at the end of the day, Colombia has the individual talent to grab that fourth spot. As for the fifth, um, Uruguay is not the Uruguay that you that were eight years ago, four years ago. Uh, Chile hasn't been to Chile for a while. They weren't even at the last World Cup, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think they didn't qualify. Uh, Peru, to be honest, I don't know much about the Peru squad. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's a toss up. I do know that Bolivia is not that strong. Don't look at their numbers. Uh, they, uh, yeah, Bolivia is not that good of a team. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think top four will be exactly what it is now. And it will be between Peru and Uruguay on who plays, who takes the fifth spot. So yeah. And then they play in the intercontinental against the Asian side, which mm-hmm. is, so uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting on who it is. I have a soft spot for Chile. Just, uh, you know, they're that, that little nation that could out of South America. Um, but yeah, they're very inconsistent. Uh, this qualification round, I, I have no idea. Same thing with Peru. I, I can't say I've watched a Peru a game. So I'm just I'm going so to look up their manager. So. Like, is their manager anyone that even we know? And I agree, Uruguay is no. not the not what they used to be. Yeah. Like Luis Suarez is like eight hundred years old now. Uh, <laughs> and so yeah. But that, uh, that's my take on uh, yeah. South America. I, I agree. I, I don't see the top four changing and then it's yeah, we'll have a better idea after the next international window. Um with uh, four games left to play, so I don't uh, I don't see anything happening. The uh, the poor OFC uh, they don't have a guaranteed spot, uh, but they will be uh, playing a essentially round robin, uh, yep. two group stages, and uh, then it will essentially be winner takes this mini tournament and goes to play the uh, playoff game against CONCACAF uh, fourth place. So uh, really New Zealand, Fiji, Tahiti. Uh, okay, so I was going to say New Zealand, but there was, there was a little bit of a murmur uh, regarding that. That New Zealand might even withdraw from World Cup qualifiers. Uh, there's been talks because that, that country has been super strict about COVID mm-hmm. and entry and exit of the country that they might just sacrifice any international tournament, any World Cup qualifier. And that might leave the door open for some of these other countries to crack in. But I'm saying if New Zealand stays in, I think, yeah, there is no other team here that could come close so or has the money facilities any of what new zealand has yes that is the that's the big question is if new zealand stays in it's theirs to lose uh, yeah yeah and then if they don't and then also it's, then yeah. it's wide open yeah uefa so because there are so many spots in so many countries in UEFA that uh, we already know who uh, is in essentially the nine teams or 10 teams. Yep. And then uh, we have playoffs to see who gets the last three. Uh, so the way it works is uh, you get drawn in for a group and winner of the group qualifies Second place uh, gets a, a chance in kind of a mini tournament, if you will, 
Uh, any shocks from the group uh, side of it that you're uh, that you're kind of like, wow, I, like they they did it, or uh, not surprising at um, all. Uh, I mean, when you go down the list, there's Germany, Netherlands, Croatia, England, Denmark, Belgium, France, Serbia, Spain, and Switzerland. No, all those teams deserve to be at the World Cup. But the thing about Europe is that of the teams that didn't directly qualify, you could also go down the list and be like, ah, well, uh, we're going to go through them. But yeah, a lot of these teams could just as easily. I mean, I wouldn't say that, yeah. I guess if anyone just kind of stands out as Serbia, but then again, if you know your football, you know that Serbia is a footballing nation. If you watch the Euros, you know that Denmark played some of the best football I've ever seen played by a team in an international tournament. It was like, it was so clean. They were so organized. It, I couldn't believe I was watching Denmark. I felt like I was watching like Barcelona at the height of their <laughs> tiki-taka uh, days. So, yeah, it's... Um, it was, yeah, no surprise on who qualified, personally. Uh, yeah, you hit it on. There's no real surprises. I mean, someone who doesn't know might be like, oh, Serbia over Portugal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, outside of that, I mean, same thing. Like, well, Spain over Sweden, it's the same kind of thing. It was a, a flip a coin. Italy over, you know, not qualifying over Switzerland. It's like... Uh, yeah. Do you know? Do you watch soccer? Do you do you know what yeah. what's happening? Uh, so then, those second place teams, and then teams from the world uh, nations league uh, that I don't know nations league, but <laughs> uh, essentially fill out. So uh, there are twelve teams left and three spots. So they get drawn into these mini semifinals and then those winners play essentially for a spot at the world cup uh in the first little mini tournament wales versus austria scotland versus ukraine i would think i think this is the easiest of the three journeys to uh, uh i i disagree with you i think bracket two is probably a bit easier uh but yeah go on <laughs> okay okay um, I mean, it's, it's, it's nominal. Like, I don't, uh, yeah. I don't think they're an obvious easy group. It, it could be, it's a matter of opinion between those two. That's true. Um, do who has the best shot? I mean, it would be the the historian in me and uh, just storybook would love to see Wales versus Scotland and just yeah, yeah, just. Just see them, you know, make fun of each other. But uh, is uh, is that a reality? <laughs> um. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, Ukraine is a team with a lot of talented players, but uh, they had their flaws when they played in the Euros. They were like, if you scout them well enough, you could you could exploit it, exploit it. And Austria's. It's a good team, but so is Wales. So it could, we could see a Wales-Scotland. Yeah, that, I could definitely see that. Between those two, uh, don't hate me for this, I'd say Scotland's probably the better team. But uh, yeah, we could see that final in that group. We, we could. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I think Wales beat Austria. I don't know 
like Ukraine's on the younger side from my understanding. So I, yeah, 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 it's a toss up. Could go either way. In uh, bracket number two, we have uh, a great Cold War. Oh, my uh, God. They, there is no way they can allow fans in that game, man. There's <laughs> going to be, like, people dying in the stands. Like, <laughs> this no. one is intriguing uh, for both of its semifinal matchups. Russia versus Poland. Uh, yeah, that's – wow. Yeah. Wow. The historically, I mean, it just writes itself right there. Uh, yeah. And then the Scandinavian uh, Sweden side versus the Czech Republic side. They have a great rivalry in other sports. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm not sure how much that translates over to football, um, but at least in hockey, they have a great rivalry. Uh, so that will be a good matchup. I mean, you have uh, Zlatan trying to will his Swedish side to the World Cup uh, with an older side. Um, Czech Republic has been hanging around for a little bit. I, I don't think you can get a wrong you can pick a wrong team from this bracket to, to qualify. I, I'd be happy with uh, any of the teams really. I, I think, I think Poland is going to make it to the world cup and then shut the bed again. I think that's the type of team they are. Make it to the big tournament and then, and then do terrible. Uh, yeah. Cause uh, Russia, their national team is just declined. Oh. Uh, after yeah, the big showing time. in 2018, there was a, there, there's so yeah. much hype, and then they, especially in front of the home crowd, they were not too pleased. Yeah, yeah. and Sweden, uh, yeah, it's, they're all right. Uh, Ibra is too old. There is uh, Isaac that is okay, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't rate Sweden or Czech Republic that much. So Poland is the pick for me from that uh, bracket. I, I like Poland. I got a soft spot for them. So. And uh, the bracket that everyone. Hey, Justin. Justin, how 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 many how many how many Polish people does it take to qualify for the World Cup? Eleven. It's a football match. Come on, eleven uh... people. There's only... <laughs> <laughs> no, I I have great respect for the Polish. You know, I've been to that country many times because I love it. So yeah. So uh, the the one that everyone. Minus them playing each other. This is what everyone was afraid of, but I think secretly wanted uh, was Portugal, Turkey, Italy, North Macedonia in probably one of the surprising clubs to make it this far. Um, I mean, Turkey's not a, a team to scoff at. I mean, Italy nope. might be looking past North Macedonia already, but uh, do we have a Portugal Italy final in this bracket, or do we have? Are people going to be angry? <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, I'll try to keep this short. Um, so on the Portugal side, I am surprised that they still have the manager that they have uh, because this is the same guy that was in the charge of Portugal when they. Uh, played in 2018 and Iran played against that. I watched all the games of that, uh, that group because Iran was in their group. We tied with them 1-1. Uh, 
and it was a poor performance from Portugal. Um, and I, I, I initially thought, despite the fact that they made it to the next round, that they would just sack the guy. And they didn't. They kept him for the Euros. Uh, they had a very disappointing Euros again. Uh, they managed to keep him for the World Cup qualifiers. I mean, there is argument to be made that, you know, there's such little time between Euros and the World Cup that you don't want to bring, that there's no time for friendlies with the intense club schedule. Uh, but I don't know. The, the product is so bad. And like after the loss to Serbia, there were those clips going around of Ronaldo refusing to shake his manager's hand. And I understand that because the guys, the guys shit, their the level of talent that Portugal has, they should be the best. They could arguably be the best team in the world. They have so many good players. And uh, yeah, they're just underperforming severely. Uh, so for that reason, Turkey do, doesn't have a chance, but at the same time, Turkey has disappointed me so many times in international tournaments uh, <laughs> that I could I could see that. Well, basically, weren't what they, I see happening... Weren't they the dark horse this past... Yeah, the they were my dark horse, yeah. And then I watched that first match, I'm like, what is happening? This team is melting. You guys have players in some of the best clubs in the world, and you're... Yeah, I don't know what Turkey's deal is. And they have some internal issues in the country now, too. So that might, the mood might not just be right there. Uh, that those things can usually go either, you know, as a rallying cry to you know give people something to cheer about, so it gives the players extra motivated, or just tell the get the players completely demotivated because everything sucks outside of football, and you have no motivation. You have to worry about your relatives, you know, financial scenarios and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, with all that said, I, I I don't know how Italy even ended up in this spot that they are right now. They're gonna make it out of that group. That's even if it's a Portugal, Italy, uh, considering Port- considering that Portugal has the best squad in that group and uh, possibly top three squads in the world, uh, I would say that because of the poor coaching, Italy is going to walk out of that group. That's my pick. What do you think? I feel Italy has the most pressure, especially coming off winning the Euros. Yeah, the Euros win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, what I a mean, night like, that was. Uh, what a night that was, man. We could do a whole two-hour episode about the night that the Euros final here. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> because of the pressure, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I, if the pressure of of Italy, they could be uh, they could be facing if they don't um, if they don't qualify, it's exactly you know the pressure that England was facing in the final. So like it's it's theirs to lose. They should beat yeah, North yeah. Macedonia, um, and really, it, it's all going to depend on you know if Turkey can squeak out a win versus Portugal. Are they riding the ship from this past year? Um, if not, it's going to be a dogfight. If if Portugal if they meet Portugal, they're really going to have to throw. If they meet Portugal. I think they will win if they play Turkey. They're not preparing for Turkey. They're preparing for Portugal, which could True. bite them. Yep. Now, again, too, the yep. match the matches aren't until March, so lots can happen yep. in the next three months. You can throw, you know, players being put into COVID protocol. It, 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 so much can happen in the next three months. Um, and we're going to finish with not the uh, most popular conference, 
Um, but it's the one that's near to dear to my heart. It's uh, CONCACAF. Like we said, Canada is sitting on top, uh, which surprises the hell out of everyone, I think, because uh, it was made the news around the world. The win against Mexico really, really helped. Uh, and they don't have to play Mexico again. Uh, they have a match against the United States, who's right behind them uh, in Hamilton at the end of January, which is an outdoor stadium, and it's sold out. So, <laughs> oh my God, such a troll country. <laughs> let's, let's play outdoors in the middle of January. I mean, I guess Hamilton's not that bad. That's kind of like Niagara weather. So it's the same equivalent of playing in like in Chicago outdoors. So yeah, it's probably not that bad. Yeah. It's not going to be minus 15 in Edmonton in November. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, they have one <laughs> home match, two away. Um, so those three are going to be big. If they can come out with a couple wins, uh, you know, they're Costa Rica is in Jamaica. Uh, five and six with nine and seven points, but Panama's hanging around at that fourth spot with 14. Uh, so we could have our final four essentially decided at the end of the next international break, uh, which would take some pressure off of those countries. Uh, not that there's pressure for Canada because this is unknown territory for us. Um, but putting pressures uh, like Mexico sitting third right now, they're tied with Panama. Uh, I mean, no one wants to see Mexico in the playoff game because that's a, a tough match. But uh, what are your uh, outtakes right now uh, with the order for CONCACAF? Uh, I, th- I think... Uh... Yeah, when we were earlier talking about uh, Canada's win, I kind of went through how surprised I am uh, by Canada because I thought this was going to be where we're sitting next World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, top three makes sense. That's the top. I mean, the, the other two in the top three make sense. U.S., Mexico. I still don't hate me, but I don't think Canada is going to finish top. I think we're going to be top three. Uh, but I do think that uh, the States... Uh, is probably going to squeeze by. Um, as as for the rest of it, uh, I I really don't see Costa Rica catching up to Panama. So I I, I do I do think Canada's safe. Um, uh, I yeah USA is safe and so is Mexico. And in the intercontinental playoffs, uh, it's against the OFC, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm still surprised that Panama is above Costa Rica, uh, but uh, I think New Zealand has a shot actually against Panama. So that'd be very, very interesting. It's yeah, uh, yeah. I, I will say the game against Costa Rica, they were whether that was a tactic for them to come out, they were very chippy. You could kind of see in the second half, like the cold was starting to bother them which yeah, was yeah. the point. Um, but they were they were very, very rough, whether it was to try and get Canada's off their game, trying to get them to worry about the rough stuff and not play how they've been doing. Uh, but ha- about a half an hour in, uh, kind of Canada switched. So whenever they would be a hard foul or whatnot, 
They just get up, walk away. Very few players would turn and confront uh, because they knew it was starting to get chippy. The yellow card starting to come out. Um, and uh, I, I've never seen a team run faster for the locker room at halftime than I have <laughs> with Costa Rica. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, you could tell uh, they weren't really used to it. And uh, yeah. I think that I think they knew that match right there was the one they needed, whether it was a tie or to win. And uh, they they weren't successful, and now there are six games left. And like you said, yeah, their their schedule might be harder on the other end. Uh, I know Canada plays, I think Jamaica, U.S., and El Salvador in the next international break. Yeah. So in theory, it's the Jamaica match. It's, it's the, if Canada wins, uh, wins the Jamaica match, and El Salvador match they're in. Basically, let's, I, let's I don't think go. it matters what happens with the states. I think even even if you count the states as a loss, I would say if we win Jamaica and El Salvador, they're Canada's guaranteed. So Panama plays Costa Rica at mm-hmm. the end of January. Uh, Canada plays Hon- Honduras. U.S. plays El Salvador, Mexico, and Jamaica. So that's kind of a big one. Uh, for Jamaica um, and that Panama Costa Rica one could be the nail in the coffin for Costa Rica. Then it's Canada, U S Mexico, Costa Rica. So again, two big matchups for Costa Rica. That could be, that could spell the end. Uh, Panama plays Jamaica. Uh, Canada plays El Salvador, uh, Mexico, Panama, uh, Jamaican Costa Rica. So the next international break for is really, those three matchups, it, March might not even matter, maybe just for positioning wise, but uh, Canada plays Costa Rica again, Jamaica and Panama in March. So if all goes well, um, those last three matchups might just be for seeding wise or whether it's the difference between a playoff match or automatically qualifying. Uh, it's going to be a wild uh, Wild week. Yeah, the United States uh, picked uh, Columbus, Ohio, and uh, Minneapolis to play their because they have two home games in the next. So to reduce travel between Hamilton, they picked northern area cities for travel-wise. Yeah. Not necessarily outdoor stadiums, but... Uh, travel oh, wow, Buffalo. You know, the falls right next door might not have been available. Maybe they're, maybe the Bills were hoping that they'd be better than, <laughs> than what they are and expecting a, a home late playoff match. Uh, but that's in a nutshell is the year that was of soccer or football, if you will. Uh, what are, other than next year's being the World Cup, having to wait 12 months to get to the World Cup next year, uh, what is something else that you're looking forward to in the world of uh, football coming up? Um, I'm looking forward to more uh, non, uh, non-English 
European football fans continue to make an ass out of themselves. So all the smug people who joined the Euros try to act like the English fans are some sort of unique degenerates are proven wrong. This is something that I've known in my heart. I know this is probably not the, what you had in my mind, <laughs> mind when you asked me, but I'm just like the more clips I see out of like France of games getting canceled because of fan violence and stuff. It's just not saying that it's good, but it kind of hits the spot and makes me feel like I was right that violence in football is not something unique to the English. And I feel like um, the more I live here, the more uh, offended I get when people try to portray that. Because every experience I've had at a football match has been great here. It's it's been wonderful. People are kind. You can, you know, start a conversation with someone in the concession uh, over beer and just you know, a complete stranger. And uh, as someone who goes to the games alone, that's that's great. So yeah, that's 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 <laughs> that's what I'm uh, looking forward to. I know it's not necessarily that related to the sporting itself, but uh, if you want to know as 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 this for the sport itself, um, besides the World Cup qualifiers. Um, I, I just want better, uh, better, better COVID protocols all around. So we're not in this mess that we are right now with all these games getting canceled. Whatever we had last Christmas, let's bring that, that level of diligence back and, uh, uh that level of, uh, vigilance back and, uh, make sure to get the sport goes on. How about you? What do you have in mind? You know, exciting times. Canada potentially qualifying to something that I've never seen uh, before. Uh, I believe they're going to vote in the coming year to finalize the locations for the 2026 World Cup, which is happening in North America. So just Ottawa's not eligible, right? No, Ottawa's not Stadium eligible. too small? Uh, too small, yes. Uh, actually, okay. there are only two cities left for Canada. Uh, everyone else has either been eliminated or withdrawn. Uh, so Toronto and Edmonton are the two cities left. Ah, yeah. So I don't get to watch a match in Montreal. I was really counting to watching a game in I, Montreal. I, I don't know what happened with Montreal, but they withdrew for some reason. I, I Vancouver, there was something about Vancouver that they weren't at the beginning. So they were like the first big shock to denounce their, their name. And everyone was like, oh, but uh, uh, it's essentially Toronto's issue is the size of the stadium because it would be at it wouldn't be at Rogers Center or Skydome, whatever you would like to call it. Uh, it would be at the BMO Fields, which only holds. Oh my god, twenty five, thirty. Yeah, I think for a World Cup, you need to have a minimum thirty, right? Or thirty five. I think I think thirty five or forty. Yeah. Um, yeah, now, well, why would it not have it at Rogers Center? Maybe too hard. To, well, you see how hard it is to get natural grass for baseball. Like that was a huge uh, thing for. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like they're—I don't know. Now Edmonton's thing is Edmonton's field is not natural grass because yeah. it's in a northern climate. Uh, so that's the one 
issue for Edmonton is will they get natural grass? Because it seems that's the only thing that's stopping Edmonton and then the seats is the only thing that's stopping Toronto. Um, outside of that, everyone else has dropped out. Vancouver dropped they out. Need to, they, need to in, they need to entice Montreal back somehow. Uh, like give him some sort of a incentive or something. I wonder if that's that's happened. So they dropped out back in July. Montreal did. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's one for the that's one for the politicians to figure out. Either way, uh, if I have to come to uh, to Edmonton watch a game, I'll come to Edmonton to watch a game. But uh, if I don't have to, I'll stick to Toronto. It's closer. It, it is closer. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess they say high costs is becoming ju- difficult to justify to Quebec taxpayers, according to according to what they say. So, uh, I mean, they did have an election in the fall for mayor of Montreal and all that, so that might have been a yeah. a part of the reason why they didn't want to commit. But hosting the World Cup for Canada, anyways, seems to be a once in a lifetime opportunity yep. so the the ghosts of the 76 olympics still haunt montreal <laughs> but uh thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's always a pleasure to have you and uh we look forward to what 2022 has for us uh in the soccer worlds and personally and uh can't wait to hear all about it yeah, thank you very much, man. Thank again, thanks for having me on. Uh, I hope I didn't ramble on too much, but uh, you know what you were getting when you asked me to come on and talk about Asian football, but sure. <laughs>